when we began the series, I began telling you, reading from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 from verses 9. It said, for we are God's fellow workers, that is Paul who is preaching and Timothy and Sosneth who are writing this letter, and you are God's field, you are God's building, right? So this is one of the things you must understand, that when God looks at you, one of the metaphors he has in his head is you are a building, right? Someone say, I am a building. Again? You are what? Who's building? Who's building? Who's building? One of the most important aspects of this Christian life is the understanding that I am Godis. Right? I am Godis. I belong to God. I don't belong to the devil. By the way, you don't belong to Satan. No one belongs to Satan. We all belong to God. Hey, may I think that's good news? I think that's a thing to be proud of. It's like if they told you you are, you are Obama's kid. Man, eh? it is something. Isn't it something? Praise the Lord. Isn't it something? It, it, okay, let's take, away, let's take away Obama. Even if we tell you you are Sudil's kid. Man, eh, that, that's something. Right? Some of you, you don't want to be your father's children. You don't even want the name of your father. But I know a lot of girls, when they got to senior two and they began to understand, they took away their name Nachirija and they began calling themselves uh, Sekamate. <laughs> My name is Sarah Sekamate. But when you really look, their name is Nachirija, but they don't like it. They want to be called by their what? Their father's name. There's, there's something when you are proud of your father. Correct? And, and, and so you and I, we are God's own. So I can be called Mutagubia. <laughs> do, you, do you understand what I'm saying? Because I am proud, I am God's. Now, one of the metaphors the Bible shows us is I am God's building. So I am a building. Hi. You are a what? And not a small, okay, anyway, you can decide to be a small car building or a what? Or a big building. And you know, the thing is, when Jesus is building mansions, he keeps adding on. <laughs> I don't know if you are enjoying this like I'm enjoying it already. When he's building, he keeps enlarging, but first of all, to the extent of the foundation you have is the strength of your foundation. So he says, you are God's. Does that register with you? Can I now move forward? Yeah, because I want everyone to be convinced they are God's building. Yeah? Julius, you are God's what? Building. Yeah, you are. You are. You are God's building. Right? I am God's building. And he says, According to the grace God has given me, as a wise master builder, and so you see that for us as pastors, yeah, we who are giving you God's word, there's a certain grace God gives to us, and we become master builders. In other words, God is building, I am the one building it. Am I making up things, or you also see them there? You see it, eh? So every time I am standing, so this week, we are adding several blocks to you. Oh, glory be to God. You are becoming a higher building. Eh? You are becoming a better building. You, ah, banange. Eh? Say, I am becoming a better building. I am becoming a stronger building. I am becoming a taller building. Hallelujah. Do, 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 uh, do, do you get that thing? Father, may this thing enter someone's spirit in Jesus' name. May it enter into you that in this week, you are not just attending another seminar. This is not just another what? Seminar. This is a building seminar. And as a wise master builder, I, Paul says, I have laid a foundation and another builds on it. So now, what I am doing like Paul, 
I am not, next year we are going to add to the building. Eh? But in this week, we are laying. Oh my goodness. You are going to have a stronger foundation. This is why your prayer life is going to become even stronger. You understand? You know, by the end of this week, some of you will just want to fast. Because your spiritual muscle is going to be stronger. Because we, have, we are laying a good foundation. Hallelujah. So he's saying, I have laid as a wise master builder. And so this is why I realized we need to talk about foundations. And you see for several weeks, to we have uh, tied ourselves on what? Uh, because I realized if you are a wise master builder, you begin with it. Can you, be, can you imagine starting a foundation with, uh, with, uh, with, with uh, like, uh, what, what is that? Eh? The walls, eh? like we start, we don't have foundation, but let's first start with what? With the walls. What happens to such a building? You see, that's when you came to church and we first taught you about money before the foundation. You came to church and we first taught you about marriage before the what? And you enjoyed the sermon on marriage, but your marriage still developed cracks. Ah, You see, for me, these are the things. I, I spent so many years pastoring here, and then afterward, I looked behind, and I said to God, this is not what I set out to build. Now, I was talking to one of my mentors during that period of time when I was struggling, and I told him, you know, uh, Pastor James, uh, the church that I have, that I see I am receiving. And the church in my heart, there are two different things. The, the way I thought people will be after five years of preaching to them is not the way they are. Can I be a bit vulnerable? All those things scare you because you may think I'm just talking about myself, but remember who was in the church. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So I am not just talking about myself, eh? Yes, but I'm saying I had, I spent three years with, uh, with Nicholas. Okay, let me use Nicholas. He won't get annoyed for me. Yeah. And I looked at Nicholas, the things he liked, the things he was speaking, the places he was going, some of the things he was drinking. And I'm like, I'm like, if really he was receiving the good news, of, yeah, he, I was even praying for him and he got slain. But after he got slain, when he began speaking, some words began coming out of him. And I was like, ah! <laughs> Praise the Lord. So I was telling my, my friend and mentor, uh, James, you know, it's too different. He said, Alex, 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 what you put in is what you get. I thought he was going to say, Bambi, let me... He said, no, Alex, you are the leader. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And I, and I realized, like, like Paul says here, as a wise master builder. So I might be a master builder, but not a wise one. And I had a master, so I was a master. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And the things I said, people liked them. They would share audios. Weren't they nice? Yes, we even used to watch Understanly. Yes. Every time, we would go out to staff retreats eh, and eat nice food and I, we would train, right? But the problem is, I was not very wise. Now I be, I've become what? He said, I have laid the what? The foundation. Because let me tell you, friends, and, and may God help you that you get this. Because if you don't understand the things I am talking about in this seminar, I am telling you, your Christian life, you will always live an inferior Christian life. In fact, your life as a Christian will not be much more different from the life of those who are not Christians. And so you will even begin to envy the life of the non-Christians. Because they will seem like they have a better life than you are having because you, you are restricted. You guys, I, am, I, am I speaking? Yes. All right. 
so it is very important that we understand this thing. Now, he says, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on the foundation. Now, the foundation is very important. And what, when Paul came to the Corinthians, he said, the first thing I did was to lay the foundations. Now, it is what I told you in the, in the service today, that the kingdom of God is very ordered. Someone say ordered. Hello? It's very ordered. In other words, there are first things and there are next things and there are last things. If you mix them up, you get another chitobelo, not the one that Jesus wanted. Chitabuka, chitobelo. Yeah, it's tabuks. Glory be to God. I'm going to write a dictionary, don't worry. So, um, Paul then says, For no other foundation can anyone lay other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So there is a foundation called, and it is the only foundation. Now, first of all, I want you to notice that the foundation is not Jesus. Hello? The foundation is not? It is Jesus Christ. Actually, if we translate it very well, it should be Jesus the Christ. You understand? Uh, please try to understand. It is Jesus the Christ. Because Jesus, Jesus can't save you. Anyone can be Jesus. You can even name your child Jesus of, uh, of Luzira. Like the other one was Jesus of Nazareth. There was even a Jesus, another Jesus in the Bible called Justus. You get it? There's even a football team that has a man called Jesus, but he's not our savior. Jesus can only be Jesus, the Christ, after his resurrection. Are we together? If this foundation is Jesus Christ, not just Jesus, please understand, it's not just what? Jesus. It is Jesus, the Christ. It is the Christ that helps us. It is the Christ. It is the Christ. How does he become Christ? Yeah? How does he become Christ? He first of all has to take on flesh and be like us. So he has to be a man. Hello? He has to be a what? A man. But that man must also be God. So some of you are going to come for the next steps class. And we'll be explaining that a bit more in the next steps class. But Jesus becomes both man and God. That is why, uh, because that man must die on behalf of other men. He must die representing all other men. Why? Because the reason he must die is he's carrying the sins of all men. You get it? Because the wages of sin is death. And so Jesus Christ must carry the sins of all men and dies in their place. But the reason he must be God is because he must, he must have the capacity to represent all men. Now, because God is God and he's infinite, <laughs> when he becomes a man, we can all fit in him. You see that? And when we fit in him, therefore, for him he brings life for us, we bring our death. For him, he brings righteousness. For us, we bring our sinfulness. For all have sinned and they fall short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So Jesus Christ, by dying on the cross, he becomes what we call our redeemer. Our redeemer, our savior. You understand? He becomes our what? Our savior. But 
before he can redeem you, it's not, redeeming is like buying back. Yeah? He, he pays the price for our sins. Okay? Now, to whom is he paying the price? He is paying to God because God was, God, God hates sin. By the way, you people, God hates sin. And, and, and he cannot look at sin. Because of that, uh, the one who sins must die. But if another one dies for a sinner, then God is like, okay, at least there's the shedding of blood. Am I mixing so many things for you? Or you are following? You are following. So that is why in the Old Testament, he would go with the goat. Okay, okay, okay. At least there is blood. You see? Now, but this time, the blood was not of God's. The blood was not of another fellow man. Yeah? The blood was of his son. And because of the death of his son, the Bible says he could not leave his holy one to see decay. Like he couldn't stand his son getting rotten and eaten by maggots. I mean, even you, if it was your son, would you leave him to be eaten by maggots and you can move him out? So by raising Jesus from the dead, by the way, it is God who sends the spirit in the grave to remove Jesus out. Yeah? When he does that, now death loses its sting and its power because the thing that could hold us there, God has broken it. Her glory be to his name. And when he removes Jesus from the dead, now he cannot hold any of the people Jesus has represented responsible for their sin because he has held Jesus responsible for their sin. Double jeopardy. Uh, do you know what double jeopardy is? So for example, if they accuse who wants to be accused of something? Wrongly, wrongly. Okay, Nicholas, let's say they accuse Nicholas wrongly of killing someone. Whom did he kill? Yeah? So everybody thinks that Nicholas killed the other dude, Sekamate. Okay, let's say Sekamate. But Sekamate was just hiding in a certain basement. So then, they get Nicholas, they judge him, he goes, they say, because you killed Sekamate, you are going to serve hard labor for 20 years. Yes. Then the guy goes and serves hard labor for 20 yeah. years. After 20 years, he comes out and he sees Sekamate. <laughs> and he says, you, I suffered for you for 20 years. You cannot leave. He goes and kills him now for real. <laughs> yeah? And he does what? He kills him for real. And when they take him to court, they can't take him to prison again. He served his time already. Yeah, so it's a double job. It's, job, it's like, what do we do even with this one? Because he has already served, but now he has committed it. <laughs> the same it so now they just have to let him go double jeopardy so Jesus died for our sins then you come and you commit the what and God has already raised Jesus from the dead for your what for him he did not sin but he took on your what your sin and he died and when he died, you also now were freed. Ah, glory be to God. N now, 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 now when God looks at the sinner, Jesus presents his. So now why are you guilty? Why, why are you worried? Why are you exercising? Why are you in prison when they have already paid? Do you see why Jesus is incredible? And you know what? What God just needs from you is faith toward him. We'll be touching that a bit tomorrow. Because 
what is going to what is happening is when Jesus dies for your sins, God raises him up. When God raises Jesus from the dead, God is saying, everyone who will enter in Jesus, all their sins will have been paid for. Now, that brings Kanzunzu to a lot of religious people. Because now you are thinking, hey, 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 you mean God has no problem with sin anymore? Huh? You people, can you imagine? Jesus died for your sins, all of them. The ones, by the way, do you know, now for you who is living right now, there is no sin you did before the cross. You see, people have always had a problem with, when we tell them, the sins you committed in the past, Jesus forgave them. The sins you are committing right now, Jesus forgive, forgave them. The sins you are about to commit, he has forgiven them. Now you are like, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Ah, 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 no, 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 no. And now I'm going to ask you a question. Is there a sin you have ever committed that wasn't in the future of the cross? Even your past sins were in the future. So even your future sins have been what? Oh, somebody give glory to Jesus. That's why the Bible says, God, look, 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 look. Romans chapter 5. God demonstrates his love toward us. In that, while we were yet still, 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 yeah, sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Ha, glory be to God. Okay, so you are in fornication right now. You are in fornication. But do you know that that fornication was already paid for at the cross? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Have I told you to go and sin? 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 Uh -uh, let me ask you, have I told anyone here that go and start sinning? What have I told you? I have told you that you have been forgiven. Have I told you that go and sin? What have I told you? Have I told you to go and sin? What have I told you? Let me ask, how many of you have ever sinned after you got born again? Yes. Now, if your hand is not up, you are sinning. You have just sinned because you have just lied. And lying is a terrible, terrible sin. In fact, the devil is the father of lies. Not liars, lies, lies, yes. So when you lie, you are speaking the mother tongue of the devil. The mother tongue, yes. The original. <laughs> so people want to repent. Let me ask again. <laughs> you see, how many of you, since you gave your life to Christ. Yeah? You, you <laughs> I like my daughter. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You see, ever since you got born again, let me, by show of hand, how many of you have sinned again since you got born again? Okay, okay, okay. No, not, not only two times. Eh? Let us see. You have sinned like ten times. Okay, now, let me tell you, suppose, suppose, God only forgave the sins you committed before you got saved. Yeah? So, every time you commit to one, you say, Lord, I think the other salvation didn't count. Now, let me, <laughs> let me have a new, let me have a new, save me again. 
When are they making the altar call? Say, Lord Jesus. I said, Lord Jesus. Is that what you do? Let me tell you. Religion is very bad. Because long time ago, when I used to sin, I would be so afraid of God. So I would say, Lord, anyway, let me first take a week of Sungwe College. Before he sees me again, as if, as if I can hide. Do you see how stupid it is? Do you see how stupid it is? Now, let me tell you something, friends. God does not forgive your sins because you went and said, Oh, Lord, please forgive me. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No. God is not sentimental, my dear. He is principled. May I say that again? God is not sentimental. He is principled. He has certain principles he walks with. And the forgiveness of sin says, if there is no shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. That's the principle. So every time you sin, there must be the shedding of blood. Thanks be to God, there was a blood that is better than the blood of goats and cows and lambs and pigeons that was shed. The blood that speaks better things than the blood of Cain. It is the blood of the infinite son of God. The omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, uh, powerful, in incomprehensible, uh, indescribable, uh, all-loving master of the universe, creator of everything, by whom all things came into existence, our savior, redeemer, Jesus Christ. He shed his blood so that your sins and my sins may be forgiven. And so in uh, Acts chapter 5, I think it is verses 31. Do you have it? Acts chapter 5, verses 31. When Peter is trying to explain to the people who are telling him, stop to talk about this man, he told them, look, him God, look at this, look at this friends, him God has exalted to the right hand of the father to be what? A prince and a savior. To do what? To give repentance and forgiveness of sins. So what is Jesus doing right now? He is at the right hand of the Father. He is at the right hand of the Father with his, the blood of, in his hands and he's saying, Daddy, forgive them. So every time the Father is angry at you because your sin makes him quite angry. His face becomes red and pink and becomes then purple. Yeah? And then the eyes begin to, eh? like, the, you know the fullness of his wrath is really full. Eh? And he's like, I am coming. And then the son says, um, um, daddy. He shows him his what? His blood. So that he can give the forgiveness of sins. Are we together? Now, because of that, Jesus becomes our Christ. Anointed by God with the anointing. Ha, glory be to God. Christ, that word Christ is the anointed and his anointing. Appointed and anointed by God to redeem men out of their sin. This is the difference between our Christianity and any other religion. All other religions want you to do something for your God to help you. In ours, our God came where we were. He took our place. Our God paid the offering for our forgiveness. So that what is left there for you to do? Tell your neighbor, nothing. Except to say yes. Hallelujah. So, Christ becomes our foundation. Now, in order for us to work with this foundation, 
there are what in the morning I called pillars or columns, yeah, that make up this what? This foundation. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them. Inside that big foundation, you find about, you find seven of them that you must embrace. Seven pillars or seven columns that we call the foundation. So that's why Hebrews chapter 2, he says, we don't want to lay again the foundation of. The foundation of. And so you see, it is one foundation, but it has seven aspects to it. And you must understand these seven aspects in order for you to move forward in your life with God. If you don't understand these seven aspects, you cannot move forward. Now, today, I want us to deal with one, which is the repentance from dead works. The repentance from dead works. Because Jesus died for our sins, we must repent from dead works. You see how it is the foundation? So, because Jesus died on the cross, we must repent from dead works. Now, I told you that uh, repentance means you have to abandon one way and embrace another way. In repentance, transgression must be abandoned. You must abandon transgression. Now, transgression, transgression is not necessarily a sinful act. Transgression usually is a, a bad way of thinking. Your mind must change about something in, and it will, that will result in a change of lifestyle. Now, repentance from dead works means you stop engaging in dead works. You get it? When we say repent from dead works, we are saying stop dead works. Stop engaging in dead works. Give up dead works. Why? Because Christ died for your sin. And because of Christ... And by Christ, you now have a right standing with God, right? Because of Jesus and by Jesus, I now have a right standing with God. My sins have been forgiven. So now I need to repent from dead works. Now, there are two kinds of people that need to repent from dead works. Now, these people, both of them... Um, both of them have this one thing in common. They do not take the accomplishments of Christ through his life, death, resurrection, and glorification to be of significance in their lives. May I explain? Now, a person who is engaged in dead works is a person who does not take the work of Jesus, yeah, that he accomplished by his death, by his burial, by his resurrection, by his glorification up and by how he sanctifies it, that person doesn't take Christ's work very serious. He doesn't take it to be so significant in his life. Holy Spirit, help me to get to where our people are. Raise up your hand and put one of your hands on your head and pray for yourself right now. Pray that God will open up the, your mind into understanding Father, give me understanding today. I bathe into the spirit of understanding in Jesus' name. I receive understanding. Everybody say, I receive understanding. I receive understanding. My mind is alert. My heart is ready. Now spirit communicates that my life will change and I'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the things that marks a believer is that they take what Jesus accomplished on the cross very serious. Oh, 
Oh, they take it to be very significant. You can never in your life belittle the work that Jesus was accomplishing at the cross on your behalf. It is very significant. All the people that are not saved, they are not saved because they don't take the work that Jesus accomplished at the cross very significant. They don't take it very serious. And my friend, you can be in church but schooled in religion and so you, you are also part of Vechbina, like I said in the morning, you are an entourage. And the reason you are an entourage is you've not become a bride of Christ. And the reason you haven't become a bride of Christ, you have not taken the work he did at the cross very serious. And you need to take it seriously. Because there is a reason why God sits up in heaven and sends his son here on earth. He sends his son for you and me. Why? Because we all were dead in our sins and transgressions. And God laid upon his shoulders the chastisement for our peace. And now therefore we who were enemies in our mind because of our dead works, Christ has reconciled us to God by his death. Do you understand? So do you take it serious? That my friend, my friend, you are not a joking matter. You've been reconciled to God. You are not a joking matter. You, you are not a joking matter. God has given you his spirit. Oh my goodness. Hey, you are not a joking matter. You are not a common, common person there. Jesus died for you. Can you imagine? And then he gave you his life in your life. So now you have the life of Jesus inside you. Oh, someone say, I've got the life of Jesus in me. I have the life of Christ in me. And you think that is a simple thing? You are the temple. You are the temple. You are the temple. You are the temple of the most high God. The spirit of God dwells inside you. Hey! The spirit of God dwells in you. Now, I can shout like that and lose my voice. And then you go out of here and you don't take it serious. And you don't. And so you go back to your old way of praying as if God doesn't accept you. As if you, he's annoyed with you. When he actually, the Bible says, God so loved Mutagubia. That he gave his only begotten son. And I'm like, he loved me. Okay, let him do. Like, you know those girls, eh? That guy really, really is dying for her. But she's like, let him die. Me, I don't feel it. Me, I don't feel it. <laughs> have you ever met those, uh, Nick, have you ever met those girls, eh? Like, they break your heart. Like, you were like, I really, really, I am. I'm a webale, but I'm You understand? Eh? Like, you were like, um, Lady, me, I am, me. He's like, oh, dying, we will bury you. <laughs> you die, we see, we will bury you when we eat rice. I will even come for the funeral, I will contribute Mabugo. You die because you love me, my here, you are dying me. You die. Eh? There, there are people like that. Eh? And, and uh, by the way, young ladies, there are some guys you should let them die. They, are not, they won't take you anywhere. You should let them die. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, you, you promise them, don't worry. If you die, I will contribute on the, on the, on the coffin. You die. <laughs> not everyone that comes, you just go with. But nonetheless, several of us, we are doing that to God. Like, it doesn't matter how many times God says he loves you. Doesn't matter how many times he has even showed you that he loves you. The many things that he has done for you to say. And by the way, he doesn't even have to do anything else anymore. Just that a man can die in your place. You, you, are, you are here saying your husband loves you so much. Uh, let, him, let him die for you. Let's see. Let, 
just see how he dies for you. And when, when he dies, okay, you love him too much. You get buried with him. Me, I can't live without you. And my world without you is bleak. Die and we see they bury the two of you. I love you so much, but I love the kids better. So if you die, I will, I'll stay for the... You are lying to us. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but, friends, let's not lose the point. God has loved us to such a point that he has died for us. And people who are caught in dead works, they just don't see that that is very serious enough. They don't think that is very significant enough. Like, he died. Me, I don't feel like he died for me. Maybe I need to die for my sins in order for God to know that I am I'm serious. Do you see what I'm saying? So there are two kinds of people like that. They don't take the work that Jesus did at the cross as if it is significant. They feel like either they just ignore it, one kind just ignores it, or the other one feels like they need to add to it. It's not, you get it. Let me first, let me first explain to you this first one. I wrote things very well here. The first guy, uh, for him, he's locked up in dead works uh, and... This person takes the matters of sin very lightly. This first person, for him, he takes the matters of sin very lightly, ignoring that the fact that sin arouses the wrath of God on both humanity and creation at large. So, they therefore just live their life. So, this person continues to sin because they don't see that sin is that bad. They just take it lightly. Do you know because of the sin that Adam did, everything on earth was cursed. And a lot of us are suffering the consequences of a curse because of sin. Now, a lot of people who some if the first person who is caught up in dead works is the person who thinks ah sin is not very bad it's it's not very serious eh, after all well, I sinned yesterday nothing happened I sinned uh, nothing happened no, oh, oh, uh. now you know what that is that person the Bible defines that person as dead to God you understand. You know, like when, you, when, when someone says, me, you are dead to me, what would they mean? Eh? Yeah, you don't exist in my world. You are dead to me. Now, a lot of people who continue in sin, that's what they are saying to God. You're dead to me. And even God is like, yeah, you are also dead to me. <laughs> that is serious. That is serious. That is serious. Because... This person continues in sin. They are dead to God. No matter what such a person does, as long as he or she enjoys and excuses his or her sin, whatever they are doing, it is dead to God. So it's dead works. Please understand it. Because this is going to help us so much. Because this person ignores God. And they are dead to God. Their works are dead to God because the person is also dead to God. Jesus spoke of such a person in the book of John chapter 3. From verses 18 to 21. After God so loved the world. He spoke of another person. He says, and this is the condemnation. You see, this is. The condemnation. That light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone, look at this, everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may clearly be seen that they have been done in God. You see that? So, this person just enjoys their sin, even excuses. 
excuses their sin. If you tell them, man, that thing is wrong. Uh, why are you judging me? Are, are you the one who judges? Me, I don't want to come to, hey, man, pastor, I couldn't come there because everyone was judging me. Everyone was judging me. I, I felt like everyone is going to judge me. And stop what you're doing. Just, like, you stop it, you see if anyone will look at you funny. No one will. But you are continuing, and you just want us to just say, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay. No, it's not okay. Look, it's not okay. And you have to know that it is not okay. In fact, it is not okay at all that God had to kill his own son because of sin. So sin is a serious thing to God. It is. Hallelujah. Now, even though where sin abounds, grace abounds much more, yet you cannot continue in sin for grace to abound. <laughs> Someone's like, hey, but, but Jesus paid for my sins, the, the ones that I did, the ones I am doing, and the ones that I will do. Let me tell you, that is the evidence that he hates them. He doesn't want it. He hates it. He hates it. He hates it. And grace does not abound because you continue sinning. Hey, the Bible says where sin abounded, grace abounded even more. It does not say when you continue sinning, grace continues to abound. What this means is that, listen, when, when the Bible says where, where sin abound, grace abounded even more, what this means is no matter what state of sinfulness you are in, the grace of God is big enough to cover it. You understand? So it means that Idi Amin could die and go to heaven. In fact, Obote went to heaven. Did you know that? Obote, Obote gave his life to Christ in Zambia. Yes, after killing all of us here, he's now in heaven. He's in heaven. Can you imagine? You are going to go to heaven, and if you don't work very well, you'll find your house next to Obote's house. He's there. Can you imagine? Because where sin abounded much more, grace abounded even the more. Let me tell you, as long as you still have breath, there's hope for you. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Just let me tell you, as long as God has given you another day. As long as someone is still breathing, you can't dismiss them. You can't say, ha, 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 oh, again, again. No, 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 no. No, no. Where sin abound, grace abounded even much more. So there is no one that is outside of the boundaries of the grace of God as long as they still can call. As long as they still can call. The Bible says that as, uh, yeah, for, uh, as many as can call upon that name, they will be saved. If someone still has a mouth and they still have words coming out and they still can say, Jesus! There's hope. So don't worry, there's hope for your drunkard brother. Yes. There's hope for your, for, 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 for your unserious father. Oh yes, there's hope. There, 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 there is hope for, 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 you, for your grandmother who doesn't seem like she wants anything to do with Jesus. There is hope because as long as someone is still breathing, if they are able to call one day, it may be just one day. It may be just one, one day. It may be just one day. And that person can call upon Jesus. And they will be saved. I remember my grandmother was such a staunch Catholic. So much so that even when my mom gave her life to Christ, they chased her out. Praise the Lord. But over the years, my grandmother kept seeing what God is doing in us. And I was very close with my grandmother. We were very close. So one time, I was going to lead a camp. By the way, that's the camp where God showed me my wife, but I won't say that anymore. Let me save that story. But, but I went for a five days prayer and fasting. I didn't want to be disturbed. So I went to my grandmother's house. And I told her, Grandma, I'm going to be seeking God from here. She was a Catholic. She didn't understand. So every time she would bring food, I would say, Grandma, I'm, I'm fasting. And she's like, 
that you're not going to eat anything. I said, no, 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 no. This is how we seek God. And I was fasting and I was praying. After five days, I finished fasting and praying. I went. She kept telling everybody, that boy came here. For five days, he never ate any of my food. But I saw how he was praying. That boy, that boy, that boy is close to God. She began to be the one testifying to others. So then, a few years down the road, I went back to visit her. She was listening to lunch hour. Now, she used to have a radio where she would be listening to Novena. Do you know what Novena is? If you were a Catholic, you know. Every morning she would be on the radio. Now I realized in the morning she was not listening to Novena. She was listening to Mr. Chiganda preaching. Uh, in the morning. Uh, and so uh, I, I met her in the kitchen and I, she was listening to, to Jamada and, and lunch hour. And I said, Grandma, do you know you can also give your life to Jesus? She said, but I am too old. I am too old. I can't, I can't move away from my church. It is what I know. I said, Grandma, it's not, it's not the building. It is you accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. She said, okay, can you pray for me, my son? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. As long as there is breath in the mouth, there is still hope. I had the privilege of leading my grandmother to Jesus. And after that, I would go and visit her and I would hear her in her room. Now not praying the rosary. She would go back to the Catholic Church every Sunday. But she was not praying the rosary. <laughs> Glory be to God! She, she would kneel down and say, Dear Lord Jesus. Because I told her, now the way we pray, you just say in the name of Jesus. So she would say, now, dear Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I am praying. And she would put her words. And I'll be like, Grandma, that is enough. That is enough. Glory be to God. So, you know, you cannot continue in your sin for grace to abound. No. What that doesn't mean, I've told you what it means. Uh, what the, when the Bible says, when sin abounded, grace abounded even much more. What it doesn't mean is that the more you sin, the more God covers your sin. No, that's not what it means. God doesn't cover your sin because you continue sinning. May I say that again? God does not cover your sin because you continue sinning. <laughs> God covers whatever sins you have when you hand your life over to him. May I say that again? You know, a lot of us, we continue sinning in areas. In fact, your sins expose areas in your life that you have not surrendered to God. Like some of you get angry very fast. And it's because you have a lot of pride. Yeah, you just haven't oh, oh, surrendered your ego to God. You know, uh, I went to Rwanda and... Uh, I, I went to attend a certain conference. I was with Pastor Fred. Now, the people who had organized the conference, they knew Pastor Fred. They didn't know me. Praise the Lord. Now, Pastor Fred knew me when I went to uh, uh, Africa New Life. I tried to sit in the back when I went to Africa New Life. I tried. They sent Asha after Asha after Asha. So, I ended up in the seats of the Managa. You get it? So, because Pastor Fred knew me. Now, we went to another conference where they knew him, but they didn't know me. And we arrived a little bit late, but not very late, but a little bit late. And so the church was half full. And then the gentleman told us, you stand here in the back, on the back row of the seats, and I go and I find seats for you. What he meant that you was for only Pastor Fred, I didn't know. <laughs> you understand? So, he told us, you stand here, let me go and look for a place and come. So, we stood, both of us. We are conversing, we are talking. And the church was filling up, exactly. So, they came and they got Pastor Fred and they took him to the front rows of the Managa. Now, even me, I didn't sit down while everybody was sitting down. I was also standing, waiting to be ushered. 
Do you understand? But no one knew me there. Now, the same dude who had taken Pastor Fred didn't know me. I thought he had come back for me. When he came to me, he said, you can't do that. You can't do that. I was like, what, what am I doing? Apparently, you can't stand when they're talking. Sit down. <laughs> you get it? So I sat down. Uh, he doesn't know. Now, it, it, I, I was going to, I was getting, and then, and then the Holy Spirit began saying to me, uh, so, uh, so you are offended. Eh? So you said, so you are offended. <laughs> say, so you are offended. Eh? Now, now you are not going to listen to anything they are teaching. You are offended, okay? I said, I said, Holy Spirit, I am not offended. I am very happy. I am, I am okay. I am excited. I know that next time I'm for elevation. Hey, I began consoling myself. But I realized there is a pride thing inside there. Eh? Like the thing is inside there. If you're not careful, it sneaks out on you. Oh, yeah. It sneaks out. Go back. I'm not surrendering. <laughs> Do you understand? Because let me tell you, every sin in your life is God's grace to you to expose areas in your life you have not surrendered to him. To expose the deadness that needs to give way to life. So now, me, in my heart of hearts, I know one day that same guy will usher me to a bigger place. I know that. One day he will come to Uganda and I may be the one to tell him where to sit. You, you, you don't know. You don't know. Praise the Lord. And me, I will not leave him behind. I'll bring him forward. Because he's a big man. He's a big man of God. Praise the Lord. He's a big man of God. He's a bishop. Yes. So me, I can't sit him behind. I know him. He did know me. Me, I know him. So me, I will usher him into a good place. But I may even send some of you to say, ah, that man of God, please bring him forward. Praise the Lord. But you see, that's what I am saying to you. The areas of sin in your life cannot be excused. If you are still excusing sin, you are still operating in dead works. You are not taking the work that Jesus did on the cross very serious. So God does not cover your sins because you continue sinning. So to the man who is caught up in sin, who is enjoying his sin, who is excusing his sin, who is defending his sin, who is explaining his sin, who is rationalizing his sin, the scriptures are calling you to repent from those dead works. And repentance is not saying, Lord, I am sorry. Repentance is abandoning those ways. At least begin by acknowledging, listen, the marriage I am in is not a marriage. Don't excuse it. You are living with a young man who has not even seen your parents. It's not right. Just acknowledge. You continue having that girl visit you every night. I, I mean, okay, 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 twice a week. <laughs> once a weekend, once a weekend. Like, it's still wrong. It's still wrong. It's still what? It's still wrong. Okay, okay, you are texting. You are texting. You are enjoying someone's texts. Oh, yeah. You are emotionally connected to someone you shouldn't be emotionally connected. But you are pretending as if it is not there, but it is there. Even you, you know. And how you know is by that at certain time in the night, you are on the phone waiting, waiting, waiting. You are waiting. You are waiting. And if that text doesn't come, it's like, it's like bed bugs came in your bed and cockroaches. How was church? Church was good. And you just for a whole hour, 20, like you are lying to us. Don't excuse it. It's dead works. It's a transgression. But I slept with him. No, you haven't slept in him physically, but in your mind. 
You've, 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 you've imagined all the muscles where they are. What? You are enjoying your scene. You are excusing your scene. You are explaining. You are defending. You are saying what? It's dead. It's dead. It's what? It's what? It's dead. It's dead. It's dead. So, what the scriptures are calling you to do is to repent from these dead works. He's saying, change your mind and change your attitude toward these dead works and embrace the sacrifice of the cross. There is a reason why Jesus dies. You see, friends, sin is so despicable to God. Sin insults God so much to such a degree, you listen, to such a degree that he was willing to abandon his son. That's how despicable any sin is. So don't tell us you, you just call lie, but it's okay. It's not. White lie, black lie, red lie, blue lie. No, 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 it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. As if when it is white, it is good. It's not. It's a lie. It's the devil's mother tongue lying. For mothers who are here, what would it take for you to say, you know, my son, you, you rather die. You rather kill my son. Yeah, imagine it. God did that. God said, you rather kill. To look at this thing, yeah, for me to look at this thing, you rather kill this one. You rather... And the guy was crying, oh, but my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? You are dressed in something I can't look at. You are dressed in, you are drenched in the blood of those sinful men I don't like. So, friends, friends, you cannot excuse sin. You cannot defend sin. If something is sinful, turn from it. Abandon it. Why? Because Christ died for it. You can't be living your life carelessly because you carry the understanding that if God did not love you so much, you would be dead. And we saw that in the Old Testament over and over. For the soul that sins shall die. But now a way has been made for us to be reconciled to God through the one Jesus Christ. He is forever to be exalted. God had sin with such a vehemency that he let his son die. Yet for you and I, that death was placed on God's son so that when we look at the cross, friends, when we look at the cross on which his son hangs, we can continually be reminded of how the Father hates sin. Hallelujah. We look at how Jesus was beaten and bruised. You see, we look and we see the shame and humiliation he had to endure. We see the nails going through his feet and his hands. We look at the crown of thorns on his head. We see the crowds mocking and scorning as he lay naked and exposed. And they are saying, if you are the son of God, get off that cross. And yet, like a lamb being led to the slaughter, he laid down his life. We look at his back that is now bare, exposed. It is red meat, not any. But they lay that red meat on the cross. We hear him crying and saying, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? And we understand that there is no way we can continue in our sins, in these dead works. Why? Because he did not spare his son. He did not spare his son. He did not spare his son. So that you and I may be spared and get out of it. What a mighty savior. 
And so when he calls us to repent from dead works, that is the first step. That's why I told you, it is the first step. The first step is to abandon, abandon dead works and embrace the cross. We have to embrace the cross. We have to embrace the cross on which Jesus dies. We have to continuously keep it in our face and look at him and say, if God did not spare his son, I can let go of that for which the son died. Can you hear the Savior crying? Can you hear the Romans whip him? Can you see his sleep-filled eyes with the headaches that come with the loss of blood and him trying to carry his own cross, the trauma he has to go through as he carries his own cross to such a point that he keeps falling down, he can't carry it. He no longer has the energy it takes. And you think sin is light? No, it's not. And so he calls us to repent, to turn away. To surrender our lives to him. He says he died. So that those of us who live. Should no longer live for ourselves. But for him. Who died. For us. Jesus has loved us. And so the first step. Is to look at sin. And turn our backs. On the sin. And say Lord. I will embrace the sacrifice as being evidence that you hate this and I will belong to you. Give glory to him. Now, I feel like if I add on the second person, you will get confused. So I'm going to end here today so that tomorrow we add on the second person.